2: Yeah, he, he was frustrated. You know, he's a he's a passionate player. He's he's passionate about the game. But you know, I, I think you know his emotions. You know, he, he was just showing his emotion, which is which is cool. To, it's 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 great to have emotion in the game, but you just have to know you know how to control it. I mean, you can't let it you know come out like that because at the end of the day, that's that's not helping anybody. That's not helping the team. Everybody's frustrated. You know, we're getting blown out. Like just just, just call it what it is. We're we're getting you know we got punched in the mouth. Everybody you know everybody feels that way, but. You know, we talk to him. I talk to him. Like, you know, that's not gonna do anything. That's that's not helping anybody. That's just you know, spreading everybody apart. You know, we need to be here uh, for each other, stick with each other, and you know, fight.
3: That is Justin Fields, and to me, that sounds like leadership.
4: Yeah, it also sounds like the most obvious thing to say. Well, it's obvious leadership, but it's leadership. We're all getting clobbered here. (laughs) Like, that's like the guy that walks into the bathroom is like, oh, it smells horrible in here.
3: (laughs) You're in a bathroom, dumbass. Yeah, what do you think?
4: Who is this going well for today? Like, your complaining isn't helping anything.
3: God, it's terrible in here. Well, don't eat your lunch in here, then, schmuck. I mean, it's a bathroom, right? But look, the fact that Justin Fields has—we talk about how far we are removed from the beginning of the Eberflus era. Justin Fields sounds more quarterbacky. He does. He—he—he he, he sounds a little more experienced. Even if it's, we can talk about his game and where that is, but the—the the fact that that. That's a, a veteran teammate and older than he is. And he knew that it was his job to not say, hey, well, you've got to talk to him
4: about that. He didn't. Yeah, he understands uh, just in year two that he speaks for the team, basically. I think that like one of the things that's been challenging for him is the dynamic we were just talking about in the last segment about how everything in the NFL, any kind of hint of a controversy in the NFL, because of the way that they handle that there becomes so much bigger than it should ever be. And so he goes into every press conference, for the most part, thinking, like, I better not say anything that's going to turn into a headline. Everything's filtered. i got to be careful what I say in here. I can't just let it fly. There are weeks where it feels like he does let it fly a little more. And I would like more of that. I think we'd all like more of that from him and in the NFL. But in general, he has, start, he has started to have these go-to lines that he knows are in step with what Matt Eberflus would – want being said
3: well i think if he starts growing more he'll find his comfort zone there and you know maybe just when he gets more opinionated about some of these guys when he gets sick of chase claypool (laughs)
4: i mean him playing well has helped like that's that's a big part of it when you're the only thing on the team that's going well for the most part for a lot of the season then you have a platform you've got the authority to say something
3: well, Matt Eberflus was on the WBBM Coaches Show, and he had some thoughts about Justin Fields pulling Claypool aside and what Claypool can do to himself be a leader.
1: All right, let's talk about Justin because we can talk about his overall development, but I want to talk about leadership, and this is what you've been seeking. This is, when he answered questions about Chase Claypool and going to Chase Claypool and talking to him on the sideline when he was a little frustrated, that's a significant development. From your team leader and your starting quarterback
5: yes it it is for sure and uh you know i i I read what he said you know uh last night um you know because somebody sent it to me and uh and i was so impressed with his leadership and his maturity you know his ability to go over during the course of a game to talk to another player um, I think, just shows uh, what you're looking for in a leader. And then they have the ability to go ahead and express himself when somebody asks him the question in the, to the media later on. So to me, that's, uh, that's really good by uh, Justin in terms of his leadership.
1: Now, how do players take that from a 24-year-old quarterback?
5: No, I think it's good. You know, it's, uh, he's obviously in the leadership position as the quarterback, and uh, it's important for him to do that. You know, we, all, we said from the beginning that you want to model behavior, you want to inspire, you, you want to encourage, but you also want to challenge And that right there was he was challenging another teammate to have, you know, go about it a different way and have some self-control, right, and to to have passion but also have self-control at the same time.
1: This is an emotional sport, and having done an interview for our TV feature for Bears Game Day Live with Chase Claypool, he has a lot of passion in him. How do you allow that still to be shown but yet remind him that, you know, this is the way we do things here in Chicago.
5: Yeah, I would just say to, you know, when you're always working with your teammates, you're encouraging them, you know, and you're challenging yourself, you know, to get better. And you challenge guys by making plays. You know, you go out there and make plays, and that's how you go ahead and get enthusiasm going, by making critical plays, make a big catch, you know, make a big run, you know, big yards after catch, um, you know, make a big interception, whatever that might be. But that's always done by performance. And that, you know, that's, that's done through execution. That's how you get passion and emotion in the game. Obviously, you have to have both, you know, to be able to do it at one time. You know, you have to have passion and and execution at the same time. So that's what we're working to do.
3: That was a sneaky little rhetorical trick by Iberflus there. Where on the one hand, when he uses his buzzwords, you got to encourage, you got to challenge, you got to support. That's Mm -hmm. just him with whatever all the coaching books that he's read, like ticking these things off by bullet points. But when you say that about a quarterback, you're talking about much more than your performance. There is a vocal aspect to that. And then when he's when he asked about Claypool, he's saying, we well, you got encouraged. How do you encourage? By making plays. Well, no, 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 Come on now. I don't think those are one and the same. I don't, if, when you're talking about encourage your teammates, that literally means encourage them. It doesn't mean I just caught a 12-yard slant for a first down and now they're encouraged.
4: I, but I think what he's saying is more like, you know, if Chase Claypool had had a couple hundred-yard games before that Lions game. You might look at that outburst a little differently. I agree with it. I just think it's a little strange that
3: he has his his little buckets of leadership. These are the leadership buckets that he's got, but they sort of they apply differently. I you're, you're totally right about having the juice to say certain things. If you suck, nobody cares what you think. But I also think that there are there are some who lead by example. But if you're going to start breaking this down, challenge your teammates, encourage your teammates, support your teammates. That's not talking about how one's playing. I, I, it doesn't seem to make sense to me, but he, he
4: tried to make it that way because I guess, what else are you going to say? Because he's frustrated about Claypool. Sounds like, like it. This hasn't right? gone well, right? This is a big picture move. This is a guy they traded a, a high draft pick for and chase Claypool thinking we're going to sign him to an extension in the off season. And this is a guy that's going to be with the team for five years so it's a big picture move but you no one would tell you that this has gone well so far. I mean there was going to be some acclamation and it's a it's a struggling offense to begin with but 11 catches for 112 yards or whatever he's got something like that since coming to the Bears in in a half a season that this has been totally underwhelming. And you can tell like I can tell you've been listening because you can tell the change in tone from Eberflus giving, he can give the same answer one day and another day and mean different things by it. And this is where, if you're not watching all you know, all of his press conferences, you got to trust the reporters who are in there every day to, to kind of dissect and interpret his tone. But when he, yeah. says, when he says something, uh, when you're asking about, hey, what's up with Claypool, what's up with Claypool? And for a long time he's saying, well, he's, he's getting it, he's coming along. And then you ask more recently, and he's like, yeah, it'd sure be great to see him on the field because then we could evaluate him. We can't evaluate guys that aren't playing. I mean, it seems like a benign comment if you wrote it mm-hmm. out, but there's a change in tone there. And there's there's just no way that they are satisfied or they think this has gone well when the guy has 11 catches in half a season. They, it's a big-picture move, yeah. but it's been very underwhelming in the short term. And I think that's what you're hearing, is he's pivoting to some of his actual frustration, which is that Chase Claypool has been a non-factor.
3: It's back to our difference between NBA coaches and NFL coaches, where an NBA coach said, uh, "What's what's going on with so-and-so? I don't know. He just hasn't been very good, and uh, that's why he's out of the rotation.
4: They would say, they would say, "Hey, this guy doesn't know the plays yet, and he should." They would say, "This guy, this guy's been around long enough. He should know the plays." And if you want to know why he doesn't know the plays, then go ask him. Right, or he he can't he 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 can't handle it, or he
3: can't guard quickness, and their lineup had too much quickness in it, and that's why we couldn't have him out
4: there. Right, it wouldn't just be a string of like corporate buzzwords to try to you know. You know, block you from whatever it is you're trying to find out. Sometimes
3: players can give us some information as well, as Jaquan Brisker did when he was on the podium at the lectern, not as Shane Reardon wrote it, which is at the podium yesterday.
2: Now that was me, Dan, but I think Shane would have said it the same way. No, I would have said it the
3: right way. (laughs) Fight. When
5: he talked about the... How do you account for the,
6: the dip in energy collectively that you guys seemed to show yesterday?
5: Just say... It's kind of just, you know, everybody's, you know, a grown man at the end of the day. You know, we all know what we're here for, you know, no matter the record. You know, everybody got something to play for or, you know, whatever motivates you to get up, you know, everybody has that motivation. So just really for myself to try to, you know, be a better leader and also try to either, you know, not necessarily always means by yelling and, you know, things like that, but just about, Example, and that's sometimes tough too. Because, you know, people might not see that. You know, might not see how hard you're working, on, or might not see the crazy plays you're doing. Because they're trying to focus on them. But so it's kind of it's kind of hard. But I'll say that you know, try to be a, a better leader. Try to you know figure some out. Because there's always different ways to get the group going.
3: Hmm. There's some interpretation in there about leadership. Isn't it's more than yelling and
4: screaming. There is, but I just think that. How much can you lead a group that is not good enough? And that's been the question for Matt Eberflus with this hits thing all, all year. When you saw what they're going to do with the roster, I bet Kyle Mack uh, on his off day meets all the requirements of the hits principle because he's pretty good. You have these guys that they can't, they aren't. The word they keep using in uh, house hall is well, the execution's not there. That's, be, that's talent. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about guys that try really hard and then can't actually make the play because they aren't good. I mean, look who they were starting in that game against the Lions. How many of those guys are really going to be in the starting 11 next season? Brisker will be. But how, how many guys are NFL players? That's the thing. How many of these guys would be starting on a decent team? Or how many? Like, like they have some surprise starters that are nice stories. They're surprise starters because they're on one of the worst rosters in the league. They wouldn't necessarily be surprise starters if they were playing for even, you know, the Rams or something like well, that. Well, that's that's the whole Sanborn mania. Exactly.
3: Where I, I understand that he does some nice things that look NFL-y, and he, he, he jumps out at you, and you can see how hard he's trying.
7: Well, he's a grindy McWhite, uh, he, and that's... Part of, of the success. Is. People I've, love seeing a grindy white out
3: there. It's Chicago, and we love our, our our Midwestern local kids made good Big Ten linebacker grindy. Look, Matt Eberflus was that. You know, that's that's that's, that's he was a you know walk on tough guy, Mac linebacker guy. So I'm sure he appreciates it. But if Jack Sanborn ends up being on a roster as a viable backup and a core special teamer, that's a huge Win for him.
4: Oh yeah, an undrafted guy. Yeah, Yeah, it's huge win for him. Huge win for the Bears. It's a nice developmental story that they got him where he was this year from being an undrafted free agent, undrafted rookie.
7: Jason, when you're in that locker room, what player on the defensive side is the most effectively vocal? Is there anyone that's that's gathering rookies or or talking to a rookie after practice? Or was that Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith? It
4: was those two guys. It was Quinn and Smith and. Those were the, that's, a, that's another one of these things is like, when you say, uh, you know, when Justin Fields confronts Chase Claypool, like Justin, who is going to respond to Justin Fields confronting them by saying, hey, come on, go back to the kids table. Like who, who in that locker room has the standing to do that? Uh, like Patrick scales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the lost fist pump. <laughs> like the point that Shane's making is everybody there is like 24 years old. And right? you
7: can't fix that in free agency. You can't just bring in a veteran that doesn't know any of these kids and have them immediately take over the vibe as an effective locker room leader. Yeah, it's you almost you can't fix that.
3: And they don't ha- like Cody Whitehair. You'd think that veteran offensive li- grizzled offensive line guy is usually that dude. But I guess is Whitehair just not, or has he been too hurt? I, I don't I, – you you look to that usually because there's, there's usually one of that group that – Remember,
2: has, James Daniels had it, but it was on the way out. Remember, we heard a lot from him all of a sudden on his way out the door.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. That doesn't help you then. I mean, Cody Whitehair is soft-spoken and he has been out, but th- what's he supposed to do, Dan? Like how, how much of a, a talking to can he give some third-string guard that they send in there to make him NFL quality?
3: I can't help it. I'm not good. And th- that's the problem with the hits principle is – you can't hustle while being blocked.
4: Yeah, and I I lost. So Why weren't you
3: hustling? There was a man on top of me.
4: I've almost run out of ways to keep asking Matt Eberflus this. Like, how do you judge whether someone isn't living up to the hits criteria because they aren't doing things right or they aren't, you know, they don't know where they're supposed to be or they're not trying hard enough or they aren't good enough to do it. They aren't good enough to play like Shaq Leonard.
3: He he, kind of can't answer that, can he? He can't. He right. can't
4: just say, yeah, these guys are all placeholders. You know, wait till next year. We're going to get real players. He can't say that.
3: Yeah, let's put the hits principle. All that I said about the mm-hmm. hits principle, just hold it over until we get good. Because yeah. it doesn't really matter until then.
4: Yeah, and he keeps talking. But that's the, the other thing, though, is he's trying to implement this, and he's trying to implement championship habits. And I asked him a question the other day that I felt like should have been a straight, should be an easy question for any NFL coach to answer about their season at, is the season going well? Has the season gone yeah. well? The answer is yes. It was a it was kind of a hedging answer of championship habits are being established, even though they're three and thirteen. But whose championship habits? Like who of these? Who of these guys is bringing those championship habits back next season? Like ten of them, twelve of them.
3: He can't say it. He can't. And that's why he's in a tough spot, and he had to know it. And Ryan Poles... You can ask them about it or they can ask them on the pregame or whatever they do, but the answer is, yeah, the season's a success. If they lose this last game, you're going to have a top two pick
4: and you've identified your quarterback. Success. That's the biggest thing that surprised me about this season for them is I did not think it would be possible for them to be bad enough record-wise to get that kind of draft pick and be okay at quarterback. I thought the only way they would be – you know worst team in the league would be a fields is a disaster that's ne- see, to me that's the story
3: of next year is you, if you if fields doesn't take the next step now next year and you're back talking if you're losing you know 12 games or you're losing 10 games then there's a real issue because cuz stuff gets real next year yeah, stuff gets real. Yes. All, all, all we're, of us we wouldn't be sitting here
4: saying three wins is going fine. All of us year.
3: who know what this year was and know that they were bad on purpose and they, they brought in a bunch of bad players because it just might happen that they end up with a good draft pick. I think they're this. This is it's fine
4: next year, not fine next year. The results are going to be the the grade. It's not going to be like okay, some things look good. Fields is you know in some ways quantifiable, in some ways not uh, growing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that. Winning six games next year is not good enough. And when you're looking at their team, I mean, you have fields and what else? Like, they tried the everything but the quarterback. Now they're trying only the quarterback. And I know you'll get some of these hurt guys back, like Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney.
3: Who knows what Eddie Jackson's going to have left when they repair this?
4: I would think he's still going to be good. I, he was looking really good this season. It looked like kind of like a resurgence by him. And I would want him back if I were the Bears. But... If this team wins six or seven games next year, is, that every, is people going to be happy with that? Is that going to be satisfying?
3: No, because I think their schedule might set up to to have a, a higher expectation
4: than that. But you have to fill, like, everything. I know. Except quarterback. And that is the hardest thing to fill, but there are a lot of other things to fill. Tanny, can you re-rack the
3: Eberflus with Joniak? Because a, a listener caught something here that I want to
7: revisit. Was it really bad quality audio? Is that what they caught? no. God. static drives me crazy. Kenny is- got lazy over holiday break. <laughs> this is a uh, stone. <laughs> Sorry I wasn't there during the taping of the coaches show. Okay. That is, that is funny your- that
4: this <laughs> slipped on the coach's show. Yeah, This slipped on something packaged in house. Right, right. His, he's on
3: that show, but it's not his show. Uh, and this stonecutter said, did you catch Eberflus' little moment of panic at the start of that cut? I read that yesterday. I, t- someone sent it to me. I want to I hear this again.
1: All right. Let's talk about Justin because we can talk about his overall development, but I want to talk about leadership. And this is what you've been seeking. This is when he answered questions about Chase Claypool and going to Chase Claypool and talking to him on the sideline when he was a little frustrated. That's a significant development from your team leader and your starting quarterback. Yes, it,
5: it is for sure. And uh, you know, I, I I read what he said. You know, uh, last night. Um, you know, because somebody sent it to me, and uh, and I was so impressed with his leadership. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, as, as he writes, okay, man, you didn't find it on your own. You thought it was oregano,
4: and you were holding it for your friend.
3: <laughs> someone <laughs> sent it to him?
4: Everyone that says that they don't read, come on, man.
3: <laughs> I read that last night. Oh, because someone sent it to me! I don't read anything other than coaches' books and the Bible.
4: I mean, my... <laughs> My dad is older than him, and my dad reads things on the internet, like <laughs> right. and on Twitter. And I mean, he's Matty Berflus is not missing things that are being re- written and said no. about him and that team. The, it, it,
3: look, I, I've worked in sports PR, and one of the jobs is to actually put together clips and make sure you're you. you is your responsibility to make sure that the coaches are as informed as they could possibly be. That if they want anything, it is there for them, and they should because. How many times do you get, what are they saying about me? You used to get from Wani all the time. Bernsie, what, what, what are they saying about me?
7: Were you listening the show this year that Wani figured out the text screen? And he was reading the text screen oh, in studio no. the entire that, time? That,
3: that's like Skynet <laughs> becoming <laughs> self-aware.
7: One of the best days that we've had here with Wani sitting where Leisure is, reading the text screen while the segment's going. <laughs> People are nice to him now. Oh, yeah. the, the text is. That's great. Margie, what are they saying about me? And my
3: response is always the same. Why do you care?
4: Like, I, I would. You're think, the head coach of the Bears. How would you know what they're saying about him? Are you just like wandering around the street, just overhearing no? He would ask things? about players. Oh, okay. you'd come. Right.
3: You'd come out of the locker room and open locker room. What are they saying? about Oh, I me? see what
7: you mean. What did the players say? <laughs> right? I mean, that's funny.
3: Yeah. Always like if it was somebody there. He always said, what, what, "What are they saying about me?"
7: Now he's got Jan and his daughters to do it for him.
3: Don't worry about it, man.
4: I mean, that's the other thing that happens too—is all of these guys' wives, friends, siblings, who kids, whoever. Like they're they're seeing all this too, and they're they're passing. They are. I
2: haven't heard any of that. <laughs> I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that.
3: Yeah, you did. Stop it.
4: What was that big ball that of Dr. nothing?
3: Dr. Death. That's that's Mark Trestman, the man who killed Bears football. <laughs> and that had to do with Brandon. Was that the day Brandon Marshall commandeered? He called his own press conference. He waved all the media into a room. They said the, the Bears had no knowledge of any of this. PR, nobody. This is a, only Brandon Marshall convened a press conference mm-hmm. at Hallis Hall and then began handing out media packets of court testimony and apparently and debunked testimony regarding a, 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 an issue, the domestic disturbance issue that he had many years ago. And it was a 45-minute a press conference, and nobody really knew what the hell it was. <laughs> That's how things used to be here.
4: I mean, we had that just like this time last year with the uh, patch.com report press conference day, where yes. even though that was all planned, that was orchestrated and it went that badly.
3: That's even worse. <laughs> and they, well, for a long time, the Bears have, have given us just exquisitely bad press conferences. The end of season, when I think it was when they fired Lovey Smith, I think I read Lovey Smith, was when Ted Phillips stood up there and he gave the thematic statement for the organization. Is this organization needs massive change and we believe in continuity?
4: <laughs> I mean, those end of season ones are great. Yeah. I can't I are... I'm curious to yeah. see what they'll do this time, but I mean you've had uh you've had we have everything but the quarterback, you've had the kicker. No, no one else could have possibly known that uh that Patrick Mahomes would turn out so good and Mitch Trubisky didn't. Um <laughs> Who knew? Nothing'll beat the patch.com day for me, though. That was the best. That was just can you imagine having these two options of a we could just put out a, a one sentence statement and end this entire thing this morning, or b let's send our special teams coordinator out there to be the first one right. to answer questions That's about right. this for twenty minutes, and then an hour later we'll bring out the head coach and just let him squirm through our uh, while we live stream it.
3: I covered the all timer, I covered the the botched hiring of Dave McGuinness.
4: What was what was great about
3: that? Uh, they they called a press conference to announce the hiring of Dave McGuinness while Dave McGuinness was leaving the parking lot headed for the airport <laughs> they, they they he had his voicemail changed to a head coach and because it, the the deal fell through in the last it, they they called the press conference to announced the hiring and then we see like wasn't that Dave McGuinness just leaving
4: that seems like bad PR
3: yeah it was it, and we sat in there we are waiting and they're like oh give us a few minutes literally oh, we'll be out in a second you know okay we're almost ready. Uh, we've had a bit of a problem. We're not. And then, and then we all went home. And then they hired Dick Duran the next day.
4: The Matt Nagy one that I remember was, I think, 2019, when he's doing his end-of-season press conference. And we're asking, hey, are you, are you firing some people? Are you getting rid of some staff or anything like that? And, oh, we're still trying to figure that out. Like, by the, basically, the second he got out the door, they sent out a tweet saying, these four people are gone, yeah. including the offensive coordinator. Which, like, what did he have to do with anything?
3: Oh, all yeah, right, by the way, these guys are all Cain. Right. Well, didn't we just ask that? Uh, I don't know. In the
4: four steps from the podium to the door, he decided that. They were still thinking about it.
3: When we come back, I want to bring back something from earlier in the day on the Bernstein and Holmes show. We are still uh, closely monitoring uh, the situation with DeMar Hamlin and hopeful that he is uh, going to have uh, to fully recover from his cardiac arrest and resuscitation last night. But what happened was, was very, very strange. And I know people make fun of me for playing a doctor on the radio. So let's hear from an actual doctor about all of this and just the, the, the strange nature of, of what occurred last night and get the real medicine behind it. So we'll do that next on the score.
8: Yeah, um, I did not see it. I totally missed it. I was looking down when I heard about it. Um, but what I did hear is what it looked like. Uh, again, I still haven't seen it, but from what I heard, it's not good.
0: Why?
6: Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile priority has a certain T mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
0: Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at 250 dollars Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, tempur Pedic, Purple, and Beauty Rest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery. Delivery may be required. See store for details.
8: Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days. Wind chill. Black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here?
3: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has
0: arrived.
6: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
7: Jamar Hamblin, man,
6: it's a really personal thing for me,
7: uh, being a Pittsburgher. And, and that young man being a Pittsburgher, I've known that guy probably since he was about 12. Um, just got a lot of respect and love for him as a human being, um, his commitment to the pursuit of his uh, goals and dreams of doing what it is he's doing right now, which is playing in the NFL, and to watch him make personal decisions and and make that a realization. um, It's just an honor to get to know young people like that.
3: That is Pittsburgh head coach Mike Tomlin talking about Demar Hamlin, who remains in critical condition at University of Cincinnati, Medical Center, and we remain hopeful that he will uh, recover fully from that uh, the scary moment last night. And earlier in the show, we were joined by Doctor Adam Black, who was kind enough to take time out of his busy work schedule day to talk to us. Doctor Black is the Director of Emergency Medicine for Ascension St. Mary's Hospital and St. Elizabeth Medical Center here in Chicago. And Lawrence Holmes and I got to talk to him about what happened last night and what a prognosis may be.
2: I was watching it live. I had just gotten home from a trip, and uh, we had it on. um, And uh, the first replay was enough for me to be pretty convinced as to what happened.
3: Was it uh, Comotio uh, Cordis?
2: Yes, Comotio Cordis. Um, it, it's a, a stunned myocardium, and it is basically a perfect strike to the heart at a very specific part of the QRS cycle, the QRS complex. It it, it takes really a lot of bad luck because it has to be. Uh, a blow right between the second and fourth ribs on the left, and it's usually high velocity. And even then, 98% of the time, you're not going to be in this part of the repolarization complex of your heart. It's only 2% of the time that you're actually in that particular segment of the heartbeat and at risk for something like this happening.
3: Wow. We hear about it a lot in youth sports, primarily because of how the the smaller lighter body would just be more susceptible to an impact that could damage like this no
2: that's exactly right the average age for something like this is about 15 years old and baseball is number 1 because of that thinner chest wall it's just about the age where kids are able to hit a baseball 40 miles an hour or so or faster um, and it takes a decent amount of energy, but as you know, it's velocity squared, so it's the small, quick projectile like a baseball or hockey puck as opposed to the, you know, just amount of impact from from sheer mass like occurs in football.
4: Considering that, that the, the medical staff that was on site seemed to do an incredible job, I'd love to know what you thought was important, like if something like that happens on a diamond around the country, what are the important things that people should, should look to do? In
2: theory, if you got a good look at it, and rather than a wide differential of I don't know what happened, if you saw a strike to the chest and you were really thinking commodial cordis, the only thing that matters is how quickly you defibrillate them every survival curve starts falling off by the minute as far as how quickly you restore circulation. CPR is a good bridge, but even the best CPR restores like 30% of the circulation and extends your survival time. But it's all and only about delivering a shock.
3: I was impressed by the speed at which the athletic trainers and then the doctors worked, primarily because usually when you see an NFL player lying there, the first thought is a neurological trauma. And you think, all right, well, can, are the are extremities moving? But the fact that they immediately that there was airway breathing, circulation, real first aid going on, I, I was, I was imp- actually very impressed that it got that serious. That they recognized the seriousness that quickly.
2: Well, and the, the most impressive thing is, of course, they didn't probably see the impact, and they certainly didn't see replays of the impact. It was easy for me to know that if, if I had seen that replay and they said go, I would go running out there, not worried about moving the neck or protecting the C-spine or doing anything else. It would be cut off the pads right now and shock this guy. They couldn't behave like that because everything was in their differential. They went running out there knowing that there was a man down. They didn't see that it was the classic get up, take one step, and drop, and that he had been popped right perfectly on the left side of the sternum. They didn't see any of that. So they had to consider a lot more. As soon as they checked for a pulse, that determines everything. He was pulseless when they got to him. So they had to do CPR. They had to cut off the pads. And then the life-saving move is to defibrillate him, which is how they got his circulation back. Before they left the field.
4: Typically, what would be the rehabilitation and treatment for the next week or so for a patient like this?
2: Um, The next additional 24 hours or so is really the whole game. He, in theory, was an otherwise very healthy supreme athlete. I should say is. um, And I... I I I don't want to get into specifics of survival rate and chances simply out of respect for the family. Um, but the the goal right now is to see was there or was there not an insult to the brain during this lack of circulation time. And it will be decided by slowly weaning him off the ventilator and seeing how well he tries to breathe on his own. It's not an all or none thing, but That will be a huge determining factor as to what type of recovery we're talking about.
3: When they say that he's sedated, is the presumption that he's in is or is procedure to use a medically induced coma to lower the metabolic burden during recovery?
2: That that is a a a, a great thought um, and is potentially a factor. But to be honest, it's a good sign that there was enough. Motion or movement or agitation that he needed sedation. If he had passed or or was not having brain activity, they wouldn't need any sedation. Hmm. So the fact that they had to sedate him is a good sign because anyone with any sort of function left unsedated would be trying to remove the tube.
3: That was Dr. Adam Black earlier today on the Bernstein and Holmes show. He's the director of emergency medicine for Ascension St. Mary's Hospital. And Saint Elizabeth Medical Center in Chicago and yes he sounds like me because he's my first cousin and our mothers are identical twins so we grew up together and kind of sound alike so if there's some people who are commenting about that then why does he sound like you well he comes by that honestly
4: so he was in your context
3: yes yes indeed and well while, while I just pretend to be a doctor on the radio he's an actual doctor so has uh, slightly more credibility when it comes to these things and that's why we put him on so it was all really very helpful stuff and we're all we're all just hopeful because that was that was it was tough to go through last night and and I don't know if you do you watch Bulls games does that not does that feel
4: like work or no? <laughs> doesn't that for everybody? Doesn't that feel like right. work for everybody? <laughs> Lately, sit yeah. through a Bulls game? I like watching the Bulls, uh, but I don't do a lot of that during the football season. Okay, I usually will check in. This is part of the problem too. Is I, I check in usually about mid January when the when the Bear season ends and the Bull season has already ended by that point. most right. times.
3: I just wonder, it, like, and also, when you leave Hallis Hall on like a busy, newsy, like a Wednesday or something like
4: that, what do you listen to? I listen to the opposite of what I've just gone through, which is like a frenzy of work and things like what that. What, like classical music? Like or... jazz or something okay. like that, or something instrumental, just something, I I commute like 45 minutes each way to Hallis Hall, so I try my best to make that peaceful time as much mm-hmm. as possible, which is not easy to do on the interstates. Um But yeah, usually, or something, if not that, then something uh, totally different in the sense of, like, there's a lot of interesting stuff on NPR, Mm -hmm. where they'll be be interviewing some guy who helps, uh, you know, spiders who have had a leg amputated in New Mexico or something Mm -hmm. like that. I'd be like, all right, I'd I'd like to hear what this guy's up to. I used to do the same.
3: I used to to just find something to, to like, let all of the football stuff just, like, flush out of my ears for a while yeah i need something
4: i need something different robert quinn was like this robert quinn would said that like his wife really liked football so his wife always had football on in the house but that he would not go home and intentionally watch monday night or thursday night football peanut tillman he's had enough he does it all day every day it's enough peanut tillman not a football fan
3: I, I always love this. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really watch but I'm really not that interested. Like, but you're a football player. I was like, yes, it's my job.
4: I got, I got in the car yeah. once in Hall recently. I think, I think this is this year where I got in and I turned on NPR and I picked it up mid question in some interview they were doing with an author. And they're like, so how, how can you tell if the elephant intentionally trampled the victim? And I'm like, all right, this sounds, this sounds interesting. <laughs> well, it okay. It leaves a note. I'd like to hear where this goes.
3: When we come back, uh, we're going to talk White Sox. Pedro Griffol was talking. He had stuff to say, and we are going to hear from him. And you're wondering, what the hell is going on? Where are these weird ass voices? Well, I'm Dan Bernstein, uh, double shifting, actually triple shifting, but it's the second of the three. And he is Jason Leisure. We are in for Parkins and Spiegel. Sox stuff when we come back on the score.
2: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device
5: coverage and access details at T Mobile.com.
6: After
7: the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter in Medella. Is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Port, Chicago, Illinois.
5: The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Congratulations.
2: Who gives it?
8: Afternoons on the score. We're gonna work every day as hard as we can possibly can to kick your ass at
3: 7-10. Okay. I'm down. Now get a right fielder and a second baseman. And it'll be even it'll be much easier to kick that other team's ass. When you have a, a veteran right fielder and a veteran second baseman, but I don't want to get all all negative right now because we're we're believers in Pedro Grifol and what he means, because what he means is he's not Tony Larusa anymore, and that's good.
4: That is good. Do you ever stop your show for breaking news? All the time. Uh, and what you got? I cover the Bears, so there's breaking Bears Please news. Do. I feel like everybody needs to hear this. Bring I it. should have told you this first off air, so you would know. Yeah, what the hell? You man? should have been the first to know. Sorry. Uh, the Bears have signed Cameron Cannaday, long snapper, to their practice squad. And and here
3: we were joking about Patrick Scales being the guy with the juice and that and, and now and now they're coming after Patrick Scales, taking a look at what is his name, Fleming Flemington?
4: Uh yes.
3: Okay, you there he is, it. the yeah. new long snapper.
4: I, I, I don't know if you've been watching closely enough, but Patrick Scales, I think, has lost a couple uh MPH off that long snap, you know?
3: Well, they measure it. I'm sure they're yeah. they're there with the radar gun and however they do it. I don't know.
4: Everybody's a placeholder, Dan.
3: Well, some of them are literal, like, holders. They, they change that out, too, every once in a while. I'm sorry
4: to derail uh, sad White Sox talk with sad Bears <laughs> No, talk. no,
3: this is this is good White Sox talk. This is exciting White Sox talk. Because Pedro Grafol is the new manager of the Sox. And he was on the podcast called Baseball Isn't Boring. And... This doesn't surprise me at all. Like, if someone asked me, what do you think Pedro Grifol would say about the White Sox getting to watch the Astros receive their World Series rings? I would predict that he would look at it as motivation.
8: These are the details that you go to spring training with, right? And, and the energy and, and the plan that you have in spring training. And everybody that's going to put on a White Sox uniform wants to play October baseball. Okay, that's that's a given. Well, there's things you got to do to be able to play in October. You know, you got to be able to be fundamentally sound. And you got to be able to get after it every single day. And not just in the game. I mean, you're, 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 your game is going to reflect how you practice, right? So I think spring training is a really is really, really important for us. I think our practices are really important. The, the intensity level that we practice with, the work that we do, the details that we go out there expecting from all of us, not just the players, coaches as well. It, it's going to be critical to developing the culture that is necessary for us to compete against the teams that are great, like the Houston Astros. And I know, let's not forget, we open up our a four game set against Houston. So, so basically, you know, basically, it's going to be you know, what type of spring training did you have and how, you know, how did, how, how's the culture right now when you're facing the, you know, the world champions. So uh, that's a really good test for us. I'm glad that it's, that it's like that. I'm glad that we're going to watch Houston get their rings. I'm glad that we have to sit through that. And, you know, cause there's, there's no doubt in my mind that if not, if, when we do the things that we're supposed to, There's no doubt that we can be that we can be playing October baseball and compete with uh, with the best teams in baseball. All right, that'd be awesome
3: if you're competing with the best teams in baseball in October. I think it'd be great.
4: That gets you fired up about them watching Houston get their rings. Well,
3: I mean, what what is really like? Oh, look at those guys! They got rings. Maybe if we try really hard, we can get rings. You want, a, you want a ring? Yeah, I, I want a ring too. Literally
2: more than half the team watched the Astros celebrate on their fields two years ago. Right, that's true,
4: right?
3: And they're and they're professional baseball players.
4: And how they respond the next season? <laughs> I mean, it sounds good. I guess. What else you know, are you going to say? Two years too late, but sounds good.
3: What else are you going to say? It's sort of like when was it the. the what J.J. McCarthy did, the Michigan quarterback, when he was watching the celebration, standing there with his arms behind his back, made a show of, like, I'm going to watch the other team celebrate so I can get motivated. And somebody did a side-by-side of Stephon Diggs doing the same thing. It's like, go watch them. Make it burn into your brain, and you'll become better at what you do. And then that jackass doesn't even take questions. A college quarterback blowing off the media after a loss?
7: Well, do you think by then he had seen the video of his dad sm- Back at his girlfriend's ass, I, it looked like he hit her phone. Okay, yeah, sounds good. You, you think so?
3: Yeah. Okay.
7: grazed his finger on the phone and then back of the hand, right on her ass. Yeah, something's yeah, happening. Probably, there.
3: probably inappropriate.
7: Yeah, something's happening.
3: Yeah, that's like the longtime high school sweetheart girlfriend too, right? I think.
7: Yeah. Yep.
3: There were way too many fan shots in that
7: game. No, there weren't. They found some pretty girls in that crowd. Because college football's not good. Especially <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: She's breaking into that vintage Harry Carey over here. <laughs> my, my, what a pretty girl. Maybe she's would sit on top of a glass table or something.
1: <laughs>
7: like Brent Musburger. <laughs> whoa, hey. Yeah, who was that? Brady Quinn's girlfriend, the, the Brent Musburger hey, one? No, A.J. McCarron. It was Catherine McCarran Webb. That's right. Yeah.
3: And it was also Brent who's, who started out our friend uh, Jen Sturger's media career, right? Wasn't she there in her cowboy hat? right at Florida State, yeah. Florida State. yeah, Florida State. yeah, and, yeah State. and it's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, yeah. oh, that's why you want to be a quarterback. Take a youngster a- in Alabama. Start getting the
1: football out and throw it around the backyard with pop.
4: This just came up again recently. He was just asked about that again, like this year on on some podcast or radio show or something where he was promoting something. Oh, oh a, what a beautiful woman. And he st- he st- he still stands by. Uh, well, Amen. I was just saying what was obvious. Amen. What's the big well, deal? Yeah, What's is, creepy about that? You, you talk about it. Just that's
3: that's one of those sui generis, generous characters out there. But hold on, back to your point. The theory is show more shots of fans because of college football so bad <laughs> that means you actually get less college. Football hey,
2: miss a play team. every now and then. No one's going to notice or care.
3: <laughs> By the way, it just missed an incomplete pass where so the guy didn't know which direction to run. Don't oh. worry, there's
2: more
4: coming.
3: <laughs> right. All special like refuse to show all college special teams.
4: Yeah, that. There we go. Yeah, most of those punts are fair catches anyways.
3: Yeah, I just I don't, I don't need to see red-faced college fans out there. Hey, Dan, there are what, like nine
7: total college football players that will make an impact in the NFL oh, I know next that. year. I
3: know that. It's I, a crap oh, product. I, I almost got my ass kicked at the bar in, in, uh, in Cabo. There were a ton of <laughs> TCU fans there. There were a ton of – I don't know where they came. It probably came from Texas. But there were a lot of TCU fans who swarmed over to the bar by the palapa and to, to, to watch the game. I'm watching the first half, oh, and
4: yeah, you know it's
3: fine. I'm like, hey, who are you rooting for? I said I neither. Uh, neither you a TCU guy? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not.
4: That wasn't a TCU enough guy. for them to leave you alone. You a
3: Michigan guy? No, no, because there were a lot of Michigan people there too. And I'm just watching, and I and it's like, so yeah, you, you, I can't tell you you're rooting for. Everybody's like, who are you rooting for? I don't, I don't care. I just want, I just want to watch good football. And I said, so yeah, this, this is good football. And I said, nah. like, <laughs> I said, well. I said I just I don't really like either one of the quarterbacks all that much. And the and the TCU guys are oh, Max Duggan, this is this is a quarterback. I'm like, no, no, not not really. He I like his feet. So he can really throw it. I, I, nah, I mean no. Kinda, I guess, sir. Mr. Large red faced.
4: Texas man you I weren't guess. looking to get into this conversation no I left right, of course
3: I was enough and yeah. then I then I left I paid for my 17 dollar corona and I went back to the room <laughs> uh next up this should be an absolute pleasure and a very unique perspective from hub arkish on what happened last night and we'll get his thoughts on the bears as well he will join us next on the Parkins & Spiegel Show. Dan Bernstein and Jason Leisure with you on The Score.
0: Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery may be required. See store for details.